Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Welcome, nonprofit leaders and clergy. This is the Nonprofit Exchange. I'm Hugh Ballou, founder and president of Center Vision Leadership Foundation, where we work with leaders who are transforming their skills to transform organizations and transform people's lives. There are lots of ways that we're challenged as leaders. And today we're going to deal with this topic of conflict. And my guest today is Jerry Fu. Jerry, welcome. Tell people a little bit about yourself and why this work is so important to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up in a Taiwanese family and we're supposed to follow the rules, right? Like this is this is what gets us ahead is following the right rules and making sure that we don't disrupt anything too much, right? And so I went in with this attitude of, oh, if I if someone is upset with me, this is probably my fault. And I just, even if it's not, I, I can't say that, right? And then, you know, that that mentality can get you so far. It got me a pharmacy degree, right? But at the same time, you realize that after a point, the resentment that you have to keep inside you every time you feel like you have to give in or take the path of least resistance just isn't a good long-term uh, healthy choice. And it wasn't until I decided to break out of the be a chain pharmacist forever and try something new where I got fired and then I dealt with bounced paychecks from a crooked boss. And all of a sudden, the the obstacle that was the common one through all these challenges was my unwillingness to engage in a difficult conversation. And this was multiplied by the fact that I would be serving in ministry, whether it's as a church class director or helping you know, ministry-centered nonprofits move forward with their projects. And people, including myself, were settling for apologizing instead of actually making the changes necessary to actually have meaningful conversations about the necessary and the difficult things, right? And so now um, I've, in the process of trying and struggling and failing and trying again, I've developed a system for myself and to share with other people to make sure I overcome my own conflict aversion and to make sure it doesn't get the best of me when I know I need to engage. Our audience, thank you for that. This is this is more important work than most people realize our audience is nonprofit leaders and clergy and they in total it's about 1.65 million organizations in the united states and i'm willing to bet there's a large number of them that just hate conflict and maybe it's conflict that they might have inadvertently set up themselves so tell me what makes conflict so uncomfortable uh, the first explanation I would go with, or first theory, because I've seen it for me, is it's a it's a threat to our identity and popularity. Right? We like to think of ourselves as, oh, I'm a I'm a good person and people like me. And so when someone's upset with you, right, people think, well, this is inconsistent, right, with what I want to believe about myself. Like some expectation has been broken, and I don't want to admit that, even if it's not my fault, that I have a part in it or that I have to do something about it. And it requires us to go outside our comfort zone, right? If we expect to solve the conflict, what we were resorting to up until that point, uh, you know, 
that wouldn't be enough. And so when people think, oh, I don't like this person being upset with me, I don't like knowing that I, I did something wrong, or even if I did do anything wrong, someone is still upset with me that um, I just want to run from it, right? Because that that need for approval, that need for reassurance is just so strong. And we haven't gotten to a point where we realize, hey, uh, the strongest relationships are not ones that avoid conflict, but actually engage it in a way to make each other stronger. But you don't learn that until you actually engage enough to find yourself on the other side, because uh, too often, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but if you keep running from something, you're never going to get better at the thing you're running from. That's a good soundbite right there. <laughs> running from it, you're not ever going to master it or even get better at it. And we mm -hmm. do. I was sharing with you that I had interviewed Bishop William Willimon um, and when he was Bishop of the United Methodist Church. And he said as a segment, a part of our segment is clergy, but I'm, I'm sure this is true of nonprofit leaders in general, because we like to be nice to people. He said, we avoid conflict, which actually makes it worse. What do you think? Yeah, the, the apt metaphor I've used is uh, like an active fire right? Just, there's a fire going on somewhere. And people treat conflict, and they see this fire, and they'll say, oh, that's not big enough. I'm not going to deal with that, right? I'd rather just run from the fire instead of putting it out, right? And it was like, well, you know, let me wait a couple of weeks. Maybe the fire will go out on its own. And it's like, well, it will, but only after it's caused all the damage that you can't afford for it to cause, right? So, uh, yeah, it's that's basically... You know, that's what basically conflict is, unresolved conflict is, is that it's just a fire being waiting, you're waiting to be put out. So don't wait until after it burns down your house. Exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, no, eventually it stops. It's like, well, I'm at what cost. To, I'm, yeah, I'm going to throw it to David in a minute, but I got one before that. Mm -hmm. So um, I served the church for 40 years, but I've also served nonprofits for about as long. I mean, I served the church inside. I served nonprofits inside and outside. But generally, um, People don't want to engage in conflict. What makes people, uh, why are they afraid to con to engage in it? Uh, number one, they don't know how. Uh, number two, they, they're they afraid to upset the hierarchy that's in place, right? Part of the need for approval, the need for belonging, right? That's, that's a good thing to have, right? When you're trying to find community at the same time, when you start to compromise who you are and what makes you different or unique, for the sake of acceptance, that's when it starts to go off the rails, right? Uh, I'll give a quick example. So if someone disagrees with like a sermon, right? Like they're they're afraid that other elders or deacons or otherwise are just like, you know, how dare you, right? This person who is close to God and has gone to seminary, like went to this effort to, to give you this message. And this is a conviction we believe is from the spirit. And, you know, how dare you disagree with it, right? And people don't like hearing that. Like there's some kind of like, you know, closet Ethan, because they didn't agree with like the specific application that a, a pastor recommended, right? Uh, and plus the need for stability, the need to say, well, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, right? I mean, this is all scriptural, right? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> it depends on which version of the Bible I'm quoting. But like, they, they say, hey, reconcile, reconcile, reconcile. It's like, well, do you actually know how? Because reconciling doesn't always mean, oh, well, yeah, I'm kind of sorry. Well, me too. It's like, are you really? No, like get, you have to get the ugly out there, right? You know, like Jesus had no problem tying a whip of cords and just being like, hey, you made this a den of robbers. Like this is going to be a problem, you know? And yeah, he did it, that. He, turned he did that. He did that. I'm out of there. Yep. That's one way of, 
Well, we, we've we've made the word confront into a bad thing. It's evil. It's harsh. It's hard to do when confront literally literally means with your front. It's neutral. What do you think of that? We've we've reinvented the word to be bad. Yeah, they. You can I, I, you can tell, right? I'm sure everyone's just getting goosebumps, just being like, oh, like they have to dig in, like they gotta, like you know, when they when they hear that word, and maybe that is the case. I think the the turning point for me was recognizing it's like, okay, first I'm going to tackle this head on, right? First I need to take the bull by the horns and be like, hey, okay, there's a situation I need your help with, and then you immediately say, okay, now we're going to shift from confrontation to collaboration, right? Because I'm I'm not saying you're the problem. Right. I'm saying I have a problem and I need your help. Right. That you're involved in this problem and I need your help to to help solve it. So if we agree that on the problem, then are we are we are we on the same side? Well, I guess we are. It's like, okay, so you tell me, how can we attack this problem? Right. And you, so yeah, there's a little bit of both. You're still gonna have to, hey, I, I got something I need your help with, and then just gently bring it back around. And that's such a great example and a great set of tools to have. And the same, you know, you talked about parishioners disagreeing with the, the, the clergy because that's the authority figure. But the same thing happens to nonprofit uh, presidents or, or board chairs or uh, founders. When we have high level people on our boards, we have the same thing. They're the authority. We don't want to we don't want to challenge that when really the person speaking is speaking from power. and They don't know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So I'm going to come back and let you talk about your uh, the title of this podcast, The Five Steps for Overcoming. But um, my co-host is David Dunworth, who's the co-chair of the Center Vision Leadership. I'm the, the uh, chair of the Center Vision Leadership Foundation Board, and I'm not afraid of him. He's got good things to say. <laughs> David, what questions do you have for for Jerry? He's going to spar. Well, you know, there's a there's a jillion things that come to mind uh, about that because there aren't too many people that I know that like conflict. But, and there aren't too many people that handle it well either. But, uh, you know, tell me, tell our, our audience, if you will, too, is what are the, some of the, the common mistakes that, that we should avoid when we're dealing with conflict? Can you, can you expound on those a little bit? Sure, sure. First is taking things personally, right? It's like, oh, like, I, they're just calling me incompetent and like they're just out to get me. And it's like, no, anyone in your position would be attacked with this issue. So it's, it's, it's you just happen to have the title and because you have the title, we need to talk to you. Right. That's just pretty much it. And so that's the first thing to avoid is recognizing or, you know, recognize, Hey, you know what, this is a problem. It's not personal. We just have a problem and let's do that. Uh, the second I like is, uh, yeah, we talk about avoidance, right. And it's just, yeah, like, let me just pray harder and longer and maybe the problem will go in. So God will, God will solve this. Right. It's like maybe, maybe not. Like you could, but maybe I'm not saying don't pray, but why leave things to chance if he gave you a domain to work with him, Right. And he's like, Hey, Adam, tend this garden. Adam's like, ah, I need more prayer. <laughs> I need more rain. It's like, no, nah, you can sell the soil. It's cool. Um, you know, third, I would say, um, listening to interrupt or respond versus listening to listen is another one. And I love going over this point because too often we rush to defend ourselves as soon as we hear something we don't like, but that does, you sink your own ship by doing that because you realize the other person feels like they're not being listened to, which is disrespectful. And that just escalates the problem. And the paradox is that if you're willing to take the hit and just kind of let them rope a dope and you just hear everything, 
only then can you really counter with like a, a haymaker that's really going to land, right? Like, I'm not saying that's just to be sadistic. I'm saying that because that's the best way. Because number one, they feel listened to because you didn't interrupt. And don't just be like, oh, okay, is he done yet? Like, you have to pay attention to what they're saying. And number two is confirm, right? To build on that is to confirm and say, have you said everything I need to know? Yes. Is there anything else you need me to be aware of? Because I want to be sure. No, I've, I've said everything. So, okay. In the same way, I've given you the courtesy of letting you say everything you say. May I do the same? Yes. And you can give a caveat. Hey, if you interrupt me at all, this is over, right? Clearly, they're not going to do that. Uh, and so I'll give a quick example of in an effort to show my humility in action is at one point, uh, I made the mistake of setting early hours to close early on Good Friday for my pharmacy. And I I didn't set everything up nearly enough on the outside. And so my my team was bombarded with phone calls and other random fires they had to put up because I did not put a proper system in place. And of course, I heard about it on Monday, right? I didn't want, and everything in me was just saying, oh, like, I don't like this. I don't like feeling incompetent. I don't like knowing that I made mistakes. And I said, okay, in my mind, I told myself, I'm going to take out a sheet of paper. I'm going to write everything that they're telling me that I need to have trust. Okay, once I've written everything down, I will address them one by one. And then I will tell the team, hey, this is the feedback that you gave me or the adjustments I've made. Is there anything else, right? So those are those are some of the most common mistakes uh, to avoid. It's just, yeah, number one, thinking the problem will fix itself, um, trying to defend yourself, especially trying to defend yourself too early. And then, yeah, just, just making it about yourself and just being like, oh, like, I don't like this. So are there, is that a part of your five steps or do you have a formal five steps you want to share with five steps to overcoming conflict aversion? Yeah. So let me go over the quick five steps and you'll see where this overlays a little bit. Um, step one is to imagine what a successful conversation would sound like, right? To say, hey, number one, I need to kind of allow for the possibility that this might actually go well. It might even be easy to say, hey, could you stop leaving your dirty dishes in the sink? Oh yeah, sorry about that. Usually it's not that easy, but it could it be, right? Because what, what do we do when we typically engage in conflict? Oh my God, this guy just doesn't, uh, and we already just set a low ceiling and then don't expect it to be successful if you can't imagine success, right? Uh, step two is uh, 10 seconds of courage. And we say, okay, let me, 10 seconds, let me pick up that phone, send that email, send that text. Because uh, if we like to avoid conflict, we're going to find a way to rationalize unless we set the ball in motion and then lock the gate behind us, right? We're like, oh, no, I can't go backward. I better go forward. And people, that's usually, of all the five steps, they're all good, but that one is a favorite for many people because they realize, oh, yeah, I just need to get started. Uh, step three kind of hits at what I was giving earlier, which is to script your critical phrases and to say okay this is what i'm going to say let me get it out on paper organize my thoughts let me organize my, my my main points let me anticipate the pushback that i'm going to get when i ask my boss for a raise or you know ask for more time off or something like that say okay if i have an idea of how he's going to push back how will i counter the counter right so now i have kind of like a script that will give me some chance of success Step four is to rehearse these critical phrases, right? Don't just do the homework. Let me practice in front of a mirror. Let me record myself on my phone. Let me get a friend to role play with me so I can iron out my phrasing so that in the critical moment, I don't trip over my own words. 
And then step five is to do it. Follow through because you didn't just do this homework just to feel good about yourself. You did this to make a change. And so um, part of the techniques I mentioned earlier to avoid the common mistakes is just this is part of the improv process because no plan survives attack by reality, right? Every conflict resolution is, I would argue, by God's grace, right? It's like, well, I, it wasn't me. Uh, and so, yeah, so the fifth step, now we can start to learn and fail and try again and realize, hey, you know what? Um, with enough practice and enough adjustments and enough learning, uh, I might actually get to a competent place for this. Yeah, people say, well, I tried that, it didn't work. And I said, well, you know, I tried working out one day last year and it didn't work either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Build those muscles. Mm -hmm. So David, do you have a follow-up question? Come on up yeah, here, David. Yeah, sorry yeah, about that uh, delay there. Um, You're good. What are some of the ways that people can change the way they think about conflict? Mm. Thinking around that deal, you know, um, that, you know, find, what kind of tips could you give us for that to, you know, how we can alter that trepidatious feel about conflict or avoidance and that stuff? How can we change the way we feel about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a fun one. Think of conflict as a gift. <laughs> it's like, I haven't said that on previous podcasts, by the way. So this is like, this is new to me too. Uh, it's a gift because when some people are like, that's not a gift. Like, why would you open that on Christmas morning? And it's like, no, you don't wait for Christmas for this kind of gift, guys. Like, because in the heart of conflict, celebrate the fact that people are honest with you. Because relationships can't be built on lies. They can be built on truth, hopefully, if you don't wear each other out too much. But yeah, if when you realize conflict is a gift because it introduces growth and it introduces, you know, uh, opportunities to shine the light on difficult things that, you know, you need to get taken care of, right? Like, I'll give an example of a healthy conflict, right? There is such thing as unhealthy conflict and healthy conflict. But then so we're going to focus on healthy conflict being the gift, not unhealthy. Uh, healthy conflict, right? It's like the direction of a nonprofit. Hey, this is where we were focusing our before, and then you know this this area of opportunity is, no, is starting to is starting to wane. Hey, we need to find something else if we expect to stay viable financially or otherwise if we want to keep going. Well, I don't want to talk about that yet. Like, oh, like don't like stop bringing up difficult things when I just don't want to think about them. It's like, it's like well, the ministry is going to die. You know, what is that? Like, what is this exactly? So, yeah, I would say that's one. The first thing of change of thinking is to re realize it's a gift. Uh, the second is to recognize, hey, you know what? Um, much like we talked about in step five, conflict resolution gets better with practice and time and evaluation, right? Uh, it is not exclusive to people that God says, I bless this person with conflict, you know, resolution. I bless this person, you know, with, you know, charging ahead with no plan. Like, it's, it's like, no, this is something, a skill that can anyone can refine. No one starts off as an expert. And the turning point and the tiebreaker is always when people realize, you know what, this is something that God will allow me to struggle with possibly the rest of my life. And that is not a, a bad thing. So those are two things I would say. And then if I had to add a third, is to recognize that conflict, you know, that's the the healthiest thing for certain relationships. The strongest relationships, as we kind of mentioned earlier, are not ones that avoid conflict, but are able to 
address things in a way where you realize, hey, you know what? I need to be intentional and I still need to be gentle. Um, and when you recognize that, hey, we're going to provide a safe space for people to talk about difficult things, um, that's that's how you realize, you know, I need to be able to address conflict well because I don't want to lose good people because they just didn't feel like we could talk about hard things. Jerry, um, there's people have written books that I think provide some different perspectives. One of them is the Kenneth Halk book, Antagonists in the Church. Now, they don't just live in the church. They live, <laughs> um, but we, you know, we want to be nice to people. And they, they, uh, you know, his point is you don't treat them like other people because they want attention. Now, in Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, she talks about the crazy maker. They create problems that only they can solve. And it's back to bringing attention to themselves. And then Mur the writings of Murray Bowen, psychiatrist, in his theory, um, it's the focus child in the family that has grown up with all the negative energy. So all they know is attracting the negative energy. So what advice do you have for recognizing people that stir things up and just want attention and could potentially burn us out and drain us and cause more problems? What advice do you have to deal with those kinds of people? Yeah, yeah. You you, you, you reminded me of, a, I think, a, a really great resource to tack onto that, a book by Dr. Henry uh, Cloud, actually, uh, called Necessary Endings, uh, yes. who also speaks from a, a Christian background. And he talks about in his book, Necessary Endings, you have wise people, you have foolish people, and then you have evil people, right? Wise people, thankfully, fairly straightforward. Hey, they receive feedback well, they make the necessary adjustments, and that's it. That's all it has to be. And thank God for them. <laughs> then you have foolish people who who have good intentions, but somehow fall a little short and maybe they need a little more guidance and accountability, but ultimately you can trust that they're gonna move forward even if it's uh, not according to your preferred timing. And then you have evil people, which is kind of what I think we're, we're referencing here is just to say, hey, what do you do with people that just like basically kind of for, you know, whether it's like tough backgrounds or, you know, faulty wiring, right? It's just like, hey, they're just spewing toxic things and hurt people, hurt people, right? This whole thing. And, um, and this is something, guys, humbly, I'm still trying to get better at myself, is that you need to enforce, establish and enforce very strict boundaries and the consequences for violating those boundaries. Because at the end of the day, right, we need to cast out the immoral and the immoral brother if they're, if they're causing harm to themselves and to the, to the people around them, right? They need to be contained. Not, I'm not saying I'm not trying jail or anything like that, but they need to be in an environment where they realize, hey, I'm, I'm going to need some help. And I can't resume connection in the normal community settings until I get the help that I need. And kind of like when I got fired, right? It was like, you need to learn this lesson. And we're going to trust that the most loving thing we can do is to introduce consequences and adversity for not meeting our standards. And this is not meant to be manipulative. It is meant to be loving. That's Henry Cloud, mm -hmm. who has a number of books on boundaries and relationships. But you know, there's one more book um, I'd like to lift up here, and let me get to, let me get it on the screen here for those people who are watching. But if you're not, it's it's you find it on on Jerry's website is a simple framework for hard conversations. So you can download that, Jerry. It's it's on your website. Uh, people can find the website at Adapting Leaders. A D A P T I N G AdaptingLeaders.com. Why do people need the book, Jerry? You know, I think, number one, it's free, guys. Like, go ahead and download it, right? Uh, 
it's just a really great simple resource just to say hey you know what i don't have a plan it's like okay here's a lighted staircase to help you get to your destination right and it's not just the five steps like i include a case study with uh you know a pharmacist who was disrespected by her boss and needed to stand up to her boss and say hey boss i, I don't like the fact that you're taking credit for my work and i don't want to give away the whole farm even though i am giving it away you know but you know just not give away everything now but yeah i would love for people to read this and let see it pay dividends in their lives to realize hey you know what it doesn't this isn't out of my reach it is a stretch beyond my comfort zone but this is not beyond my capability as a human being in order to get better at this so it's a three-step process put in your name download the book number two which half people don't do read the book and then go to adaptingleaders.com and i'm looking for is there uh there is at the bottom of the page there's a contact so you can contact jerry and um have conversations or have i guess it's an email portal so go to adaptingleaders.com and um so jerry this is useful practical implementable information especially if people get the book so as a parting thought, what do you want to leave people with today? Mm. You know, this just kind of came to mind and I don't want to read too much into it, but I will thank God for, you know, providing inspiration in the moment. Uh, and this is actually a personal thing. So when I first became a Christian, one of the cha uh, chapters I struggled with was a passage in Judges 20 where uh, Judah had to deal with Benjamin, who was not administering justice to some criminals the way that they needed to. And so... Um, you know, they say, how do we discipline the Benjamites? And God tells them, yeah, Judah needs to go first. And Judah does and loses. And so they they cry, they they mourn, they go back to God and say, God, you know, are we supposed to do this? And they say, yeah, Judah goes again. And Judah fights again and loses again. And in my mind, right, we don't like this moment because there's this cognitive dissonance between, oh, well, you follow God and you do what he says, and like, yes, there's victory. And yet God is specifically sovereign over this moment of failure. And I guess the point I'm trying to make with that is that um, when you fail, God is with you. And when you fail, God wants you to seek him more and trust that eventually uh, you will achieve success. And only if you're willing to continue to seek and learn and grow try right uh we like the instant successes we like the microwave successes too much uh to lose sight of the fact that um like god is the author and perfecter of your faith right and so that's a marathon not a sprint it's um we've come to the end david what do you think about this interview today i think that uh mr foo here has brought on some great things to think about uh i could certainly use several of the uh items that he has brought forward and I've already uh, looked at uh, the cloud book and uh, was going to hit the button when you have called on me so yeah, I really have been appreciative of this and thank you and thank you for being our guest Jerry you blessed a lot of people today and um, thank you for being on the nonprofit exchange thanks for having me guys thank you for listening to the nonprofit exchange This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.